0: Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. I am thrilled to introduce my special guest and new friend, Dara Kurtz. Dara is an author, speaker, podcaster, and creator of the popular blog, Crazy Perfect Life, with over 180,000 followers. Her latest book, I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, loss, and love is all about the connection between mothers and daughters from one generation to the next. She lives in North Carolina with her husband and two daughters and enjoys being in nature and practicing yoga. Welcome, Dara. I am so excited that you have joined me for this episode.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, let's dive right in and talk about the mother-daughter relationship because I know a lot of the people that I work with and a lot of our listeners have daughters and of course our daughters, if they're moms. Um, and this relationship can be quite challenging. I know in my own experiences, it has been very challenging. So let's talk a little bit about that. If you could give us your recommendations and your thoughts about how to help both mothers and daughters survive these challenging years together.
1: Well, first of all, I totally believe that the mother-daughter relationship can be such a beautiful relationship, but it's, it's not perfect. There's no perfect relationship. And so if you're looking for like this, absolutely never arguing, perfect, you know, um, getting along all the time relationship, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have it. It's not going to be there. So I have two daughters. My oldest is 20. My youngest is 17. And We are definitely, we have a beautiful, open, honest relationship, but we definitely have our arguments. We definitely have those moments that I think are pretty normal. I I think we've definitely tried to, and I've really tried to listen to my daughters and hear what they're trying to say when they're bothering, when they're upset about something or something's bothering them. And not judge. And and I think that that's really a big part of it. If you can get to a space where you can be open and honest and have a real relationship that doesn't have the judgment there, then you're going to be a lot more likely to have a close relationship. It's when we feel like we're being judged or someone doesn't like what we're doing. And, and that doesn't mean that you're always going to agree with what your mother or your daughter is doing. It just means that if you listen and pay attention and try to understand from a place of not being judgmental, you're much more likely to get or have the relationship that you want.
0: I love all the things that you just shared. And I think starting with the first thing, to have a beautiful, open, honest relationship, no matter whether it's mother, daughter, or with anyone, there's no perfection. There is no perfection in relationships because we're coming from, number one, two completely different, unique beings with unique thoughts and ideas, which is beautiful in and of itself,
1: right? And I love that you said that because... A lot of times we might have an image in our minds of what the mother-daughter relationship should look like, or what our daughters, maybe what we want them to be, or the type of person that we had planned on them being. But respecting them and loving them for who they are and helping them be the best version of themselves, I think is so important. Instead of trying to create this person that maybe they just aren't that's maybe that's just not them. Maybe that's not who they're meant to be. It, it's that's really when I think the the pulling starts. And I've, I've noticed that with my own daughters, if I just try to be really accepting of where they're coming from and try to see where, you know, what they're trying to say to me from their point of view, that doesn't mean that I'm going to always agree with it. And that's okay. But I try to respect where they're coming from.
0: I think that is such an incredible piece of advice, just the respecting. And one of the three things that I always tell parents and and teach in all my educational processes is about seeing, hearing, and valuing another person. And so when it comes to the mother-daughter relationship and it comes to listening, listening is part of valuing, hearing, and seeing our child, because we're seeing them maybe with our eyes, but our ears as well in terms of the unique being that they are and holding space. And as you said, not judging their views or their thoughts. We just have to listen. We don't have to solve, fix, or respond. In fact, yesterday, I was asked not to respond to what I was being told, which is quite interesting to hear that before you actually hear what the person wants to tell you. But I, I was said, it was said to me, please, mom, just listen and not say anything. And I, you know, zipped my mouth up. (laughs) Not always easy to do, right? Right, right. I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's so hard because as moms, we want to fix whatever's bothering our kids. I don't like to see my daughters suffer. I don't like to see them struggling with something, but that's part of their experience and if i just try to fix everything for them then how are they going to learn how are they going to be able to navigate the world later on down the road so your daughter having the the ability to say just listen i mean that was actually pretty amazing that she could say that to you and then for you to have the strength to say okay sue i'm <laughs> not going to talk i'm going to keep my mouth shut i mean you know that's that's hard to do but that's that says a lot about your relationship and the dy- dynamics that you've created.
0: Well, thank you, and I, I think that is an honest relationship. Being able to yes. navigate even moments like that, where you know you want to giggle, like, "What do you mean? Don't yeah. say anything? How do you expect me to keep my voice, you know, yeah. quiet?" Yeah. But this is this is where we state what we need from another, and I think this is where we, we do our best listening when we are asked.
1: Yeah to so,
0: pay attention. So go ahead.
1: Absolutely. So I was going to say, my mom passed away. It's been 20 years and she passed away about two weeks after I had my first daughter and mm-hmm. I was in my twenties. And I think, you know, before you, before you become a mom, you don't think about all of the questions that you really want to ask your mom. So there were, there's so many things that I had never thought about asking her. And just this whole level that our relationship never got to take because unfortunately, she passed away. And it was a devastating time for me. But I had, my mom and I had this amazing, very close, tight relationship. And we spoke almost at least one time a day. We would check in with each other, usually at like five o'clock at the time I was working. And it was really hard for me because my mom and I had become like such good close friends, like I said, I was in my 20s, that when I didn't have her there to share things with, but also to get her opinion, and almost to hear her, her validation of the choices that I was making, I felt really lost. And I did not know really how to navigate the world without having her there. And I try to kind of keep that in the back of my mind at all times. I want to live for a really long time, believe me. Um, But I also, I want my daughters to have the confidence in making the, the decisions for themselves. And so they're 17 and 20 and, you know, they're still learning and navigating. But I feel like that's something that I'm really mindful about because after my mom passed away, it took me a really long time to feel confident in the choices that I was making, just because I didn't have her there to give me that validation. I didn't have her there to hear her say, yes, you know, that's a great idea. Um, And so it was just really hard. And I, I, I encourage your listeners to kind of pay attention to that, because we're not helping our kids if we don't, if we're always trying to fix things for them, or if we're always trying to solve everything for them
0: you're You're so right, and you know it um, while you were discussing your mom and just you know your relationship, it kind of gave me chills, but it it sounds like there's a lot of learning that has taken place through through the loss. And one of the things that I think is really key, number one in the whole fixing thing, is that our kids don't ask to have things fixed. So when they come to us to share something, they're not naturally saying, can you please take care of this, fix this, unless we train them to ask us to fix it, right? And we often train them because we step into that. So I think the more we step back, even when our kids are older and we're just learning new ways to be parents, be moms, relate to our children, I think the more we step back and offer our children the opportunity to navigate the journey of finding a solution the more, not only do we see that they have the ability, but they're learning that they have the ability too, because we're allowing them to shine and solve and fix in their own way. If we yeah. take over, they don't even know they have those skills. They just expect us always to do it.
1: Exactly. And that's really creating confident, grounded adults. hmm are able to have the skills to navigate whatever struggles, challenges they're going to face. And we all know that life isn't perfect. We all know that there are ups and downs, there are challenges, and we want our kids to be able to to go into adulthood really feeling like they are able to deal with whatever life tosses their way. I mean, I think that's such a gift that we can give our kids.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the more we step back the, and and allow them the process of navigating, And observe and respond and ask questions from a place of curiosity, like, how do you feel about how you solve this? The more we're actually helping our kids grow from the inside out and intrinsically feel the motivation coming through them, not by us being proud, not by us taking control or needing them to do something for us to meet our agenda or our requirements.
1: Yes, I love that so much. And you know, another thing is. Our kids don't need us to be their their BFFs, right? Um, I mean, I want to have beautiful relationships with my daughters, and the older they get, the more I can kind of see us shifting, especially with my daughter, who's a rising junior in college. And you probably see this with your daughters. I can kind of see us shifting into a different kind of mother-daughter relationship. But especially when your kids are younger, they have a lot of BFFs. They, but they only have one mom and they need you to be the person that says no, when you feel like it's in their best interest and maybe say things that are going to upset them or cause them to react in an unfavorable manner. And it's okay.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're so right. Right. I would love to shift gears just a little bit and talk about um, letters because I know this is a big part of what you talk about in your work. Can you talk a little bit about the four different kinds of
1: letters and how they differ and how important the letters are? Yeah. So I, let me uh, back up just a second and sure. share kind of how this all came to be because it was so unexpected. When I was nine years old, I went to sleepaway camp for the first time, and I was super homesick, but I received letters from my mom and my grandmothers. And at the end of camp, I just stuffed all the letters in a Ziploc bag, came home, and the letters ended up in my closet. Well, every year after that, I went to camp and somehow the letters ended up consolidated in that original Ziploc bag. And then I went to college and the same thing would happen. I would leave college at the end of the year and I would take the letters that I received. And this is back in the day when there wasn't any email, there weren't any cell phones or texting. And what happened was I ended up with this Ziploc bag of letters and I didn't even think that I it didn't even think about it for a really long time and then thanks to an unexpected discovery I stumbled on this bag of letters and it re, it reminded me of just all of the beautiful positive words that my mom and my grandmothers said to me over the years and when I finally had the courage to open the bag and reread the letters I was blown away by the relevance of the wisdom that they contained. I felt like I was having a conversation with my mom. I felt like I could hear her words and her personality. And it really reminded me how important it is to take the time to tell the people that you love and care about how you feel through the written word. And so, I mean, that's really kind of what started me on this, what kind of got me to this place of identifying the different kinds of letters and recognizing the value in them. And, um, and, and I'm so grateful to have this Ziploc bag of letters. That's so beautiful. yeah, there are four different kinds of letters. Most of them, um, most letters fall into these categories. The first one is really the just because letter. And most of the letters that I received are the just because letter they're not written for a specific purpose. They're just, you are sitting down, taking the time to tell someone maybe what's going on in your life or how you're feeling. But it's unbelievable how much I could feel my mom and my grandmother's personalities coming out in these just because letters. And for me, this is really where the magic came, was in just the day-to-day, this is what I'm doing, this is what's going on, um, and, and really just them telling me how they fe- felt about me and, and kind of sharing just how important I was to them as well in the midst of just writing a letter that they maybe took 30 minutes or 15 minutes out in the middle of doing whatever they were doing at the time. Um, then there's the special occasion letter which would be kind of like a wedding or a graduation where you would specifically intentionally want to mark that occasion. So this is sometimes someone's got a big milestone and you sit down and you write a letter knowing that they're probably going to save that letter. And so you might be a little bit more intentional about what you're saying to them in that space. There's also the thank you letter where you're thanking someone for something that they're doing and the legacy letter, which is a letter that you are writing because you want to say something to people that you love and you recognize as the author that this is the last thing that you're ever going to say to the recipient. And my mom actually did this. She wrote a legacy letter to, I had one, my brother had one and my dad had one. And the morning of her funeral, my dad came in my room and he had an envelope with my name on it. And my mom had written a little bit, a letter to me and my brother had one and he had one as well. So, you know, such an amazing, beautiful gift that you can give to someone.
0: Wow. I, I, that, I'm that i just in awe. What, what a beautiful story. And, you know, as you're discussing all of these letters, I'm thinking about my closet. And I'm noticing in my mind that I have the just because letters. I also have special occasion letters. I don't have a specific end of life legacy letter, but my dad passed away not too long ago. And I do have a letter that I can recall that was just about how proud he was, you know, I don't remember what year it was written, but when I had saved, and it's amazing when you think about, as you said, the written word and saving all of these things to be able to go back to them is, it's it's so powerful. Now, I also have the letters I had written when I was away at camp. And maybe even before that, that weren't maybe the nicest letters that I had written to my mom. So talk about mother daughter relationships and change. My mother saved those and gave them to me. Thanks. What am I supposed to do with these now? But feel badly. you
1: know. No, I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, when I was going back, and I was looking and reading these letters for the first time when I was rereading the, the bag, the, the Ziploc bag of letters, there was a letter that my mom had written to me when we were at my freshman orientation in college. And we had gotten in a huge fight during freshman orientation, because I had gone out um, it was my first time getting to be really you know in a college environment and i had gone to a party i had a little bit of alcohol i didn't call her i didn't tell her where i was and i came back to the hotel like i don't know really really late and she was worried sick she had no idea where i was she um of course, right? She didn't have an app on her phone that she could track me. <laughs> like I have. Wilden like days. Yeah. So she had written a letter to me on um, the stationery of the Sheraton Hotel and slid it under my door. And I found that letter. And it's it, I included it in the book because it, it was such a, we had such a real relationship. And I was so glad that that letter made it to the Ziploc bag of letters because I didn't want to just remember all the good times. I mean, I wanted to remember all of it. And that letter really, when I was reading it, you know, I was thinking, oh my gosh, if my daughters did this to me, I would be furious. And of course I would be worried sick. And um, anyway, it was it was kind of funny that, that I found that letter. And I remember um, my mom, she put it under my door and said, come to my room immediately when you get back. So I think it was, you know, one o'clock in the morning, I knocked on her door and we were, she came out into the hallway of the Sheridan Hotel and she was like in her nightgown and I had a buzz from being at a fraternity party and we were like hashing it out in the middle of um, my freshman orientation. But it's just, it was such a real moment and you know, I'll take a real relationship any day, the good moments, the the hard moments, all of it.
0: Well, the hard moments are the moments that you work through, and it shows uh, the strength in the relationship, because you figure out a way to navigate through the anger, the hurt, the feelings, whatever they might be, and move to the other side.
1: Yes, that is so beautifully said.
0: So there's really five different types of letters, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the camp letter we sent or the letter we're in trouble or, and you know, it's funny because in the, as, as you're talking about letter writing and the written word, I'm thinking about texting now and how our children would text us. I'm at the party or not text them. I'm at the party. And we don't hold on to those because we get new phones. We lose our text. We have to delete them. They take up too much room on the phone. And so having something that's on paper is so powerful in the long run
1: it is so powerful and when i think about all of the beautiful materialistic objects that i'm blessed to have it's really this ziploc bag of letters that is my greatest and most cherished thing if you will because i mean it's, it really represents love and the relationships that I've had with the people that I love and care about. And you're right. We lose something when we text, or even when we send an email because we get a new computer or we don't think about saving or printing it out. And I've received really important, meaningful emails before and meant to save the email, but then something happens and I can't find it and it's gone. And so During, especially right now, when we're in the middle of this pandemic and we're not able to have the connections with people maybe face to face, I encourage people to really think about taking the time to write a letter. How fun is it to go to the mailbox and unexpectedly discover a letter and open it up and receive beautiful words from someone that you really love and care about? It's such a gift that you can give to someone
0: just those random letters. It's it's interesting because when my daughter left college in March because of the pandemic and came to live with us, she started to receive mail. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, isn't that cute? You know, they're they're writing letters to one another, almost like pen pals, right? And yeah. and I was envious a little bit because, you know, my friends aren't writing me letters. Yeah. But it's, we can start that process by taking it you know, taking the power within ourselves to write a random letter.
1: We can. and when you know when you do that, it doesn't just feel good to receive a letter. It actually feels really good to write the letter also. It feels so good to tell someone how you feel. It feels so good to say, you know, this is what's going on and really just kind of connect to yourself and your thoughts and what's going on in your world. And I, I like that. I like sharing and and really. Even just the actual act of doing that, I think can be pretty meaningful
0: I'm super inspired. I will be writing letters <laughs> this weekend. Actually, I like to send cards. I have little cards that are just super pretty. but what a beautiful gift and you know as you're as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about when my kids were young. So I used to put random notes in their lunch boxes when they packed for college. you know initially, I would put something in the suitcase, and I stopped doing that and yet. We are, none of us are ever too old.
1: No, why do you think you stopped doing it?
0: You know, I I guess what I'm going to say is just a terrible reason. Life got in the way. And life has slowed down, not that work has slowed down, but life has slowed down. And having this beautiful opportunity to have a conversation with you about this has actually inspired me to shift in this direction. And I hope for our listeners too, you're feeling some inspiration here to really step up and communicate in a different way, not the, you know, quote unquote common way that the rest of the world feels we need to communicate, but a little different, bring your own touch to it, bring your own card, maybe your own artwork, do something different.
1: Yeah. I think um, there's so many beautiful things that will happen when you do that. And I think it really will strengthen your relationships because when someone receives something that you've written they actually you know they're reading it. It's not like they're just getting a text and they're just like, "Oh yeah, t- tossing it or forgetting or it's getting lost." They're really kind of absorbing what you're saying to them. And so I think that's really I love communicating to my daughters that way because I know they're actually listening to what I'm writing. If and I use the word listening in quotes because if I'm saying something to them, you know, maybe they're not always paying attention to what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe I think that they are, but you know, maybe they're distracted, but if they're reading it, at least I know that they, they heard it, if you will. Beautiful. How are they writing letters to you? I'm curious. So when my daughters were younger, we did something called a sharing journal. And I write about this in the, in the book where um, I would write, I got a journal and it was just something from TJ Maxx. It wasn't anything special. And I would write to them and I put, put it on their pillow And then they would write to me and put it back on my pillow, just whenever they felt like it. But it was kind of a beautiful way for us to communicate. And that's something, the sharing journal, that is something that has been really, really fun for us. So when um, my daughter goes back to school, I always write something and put it in her bag. And yes, both my daughters do that to me. We leave little notes for each other, and we always have. But Also, the sharing journal is kind of a really cool way for us to kind of do that as well, especially while we're all living in the same house. Or, you know, even if you're with people that are in different places, you can use a sharing journal and even use it via email and have it go back and forth. And that's kind of a beautiful thing as well.
0: I love that. I, I once had a client who um, has, was having some difficulty communicating with her daughter and one of the things we came up with was the sharing journal mm-hmm. because I, I think not only do you get to share beautiful things and easy ways to communicate whatever's going on in your life but the difficult moments or the things that you have a hard time verbalizing, maybe you can verbalize them on paper. So true. In a yeah. less vulnerable way. And I think we need to offer that to our children and to ourselves if it's vulnerable and, and vulnerable in a loving way and vulnerable in a way that maybe yeah. touches our, you know, really sad or, or um, difficult emotions. So, so it's a huge opportunity.
1: Yes. And so we've been using the sharing journals a little bit. We kind of went back to that a little bit, especially during this time. You know, my 17-year-old daughter isn't always happy with the, the decisions or things that I am saying right now during the pandemic. So sometimes it's just easier for me to write something and put it on her pillow and for her to read it. And then we can have maybe a less emotional conversation than if we were sort of meeting and both feeling very strongly about something. And, you know, right now during the pandemic, there can definitely be high tensions. Um, I mean, we're spending a lot of time together. There's not a lot of an opportunity to maybe have the freedom that especially our teenagers are used to having. And so for us, it's working.
0: Beautiful, yeah, a very difficult time. And we can always say yes, absolutely, especially now. Especially you're now so, yeah. you're so right no matter what age our kids are because yeah. we, we're running as a family unit right now
1: yeah yeah it's definitely challenging I think you're right
0: so you you've shared some amazing things with our listeners and and just inspired me <laughs> for sure in lots of different ways. What else would you like to share to help our listeners move forward in the best possible way of making the most out of? what can be challenging between a mother-daughter?
1: Yeah, you know, I think if if it's important to you to cultivate a close relationship with your mother or your daughter, then recognizing that it's not always going to be perfect, that perfection doesn't exist, then I encourage you to intentionally put some energy there, put some effort, try to figure out you know, what is your mother or daughter? What are they into? Try to, you know, maybe take an interest in that, meet them where they are, but intentionally try to grow that relationship. You know, sometimes people say, well, I've always had a bad relationship with my mom. That just, that's just the way it is. But, you know, I don't really, I don't believe that. I think that if that's the way it has been, that doesn't necessarily have to be the way it stays. If you want to change it and you want to work on that relationship, then be willing to maybe have an an open and honest, vulnerable conversation and then move forward. And I think I've seen that happen so many times with people where they say, okay, you know what? That was then, this is now. And it's important to me. I want to work on the relationship. I want to grow this relationship. And I, I think especially when you're not living together, that's, you're not having those day-to-day clashes, maybe it's a little bit easier to kind of let go of some of the day-to-day tension and really kind of focus on the commonalities and really growing and cultivating that relationship. But if it's important to you, you will. And so I I don't accept that it, it hasn't been good, so it won't be good. I think if you want it to be good, it can be.
0: Beautiful. It's never too late for a change either. And I, I agree with you. And if if you think your relationship is not good, probably the other person thinks so too. And coming together in a way where you can discuss what you both need from the relationship in order to make it work better is such a good step.
1: It really is. For everyone for any kind of relationship, for everyone. It's amazing what can happen when you let yourself feel a little bit vulnerable and say, you know what? I'm feeling this way, I'm noticing, how are you feeling? Or this is important to me. What can we do to grow together or have a better relationship? I would be very surprised if the person wasn't willing to meet you halfway.
0: I I agree. And again, as we said at the beginning, or as you so beautifully said, there is no perfect relationship. Relationships take energy and they take work and they take commitment and appreciation and value and listening and respect all those beautiful things that you shared with us at the beginning of our chat. So if you have not bought Dara's book already, I highly recommend it. I am my mother's daughter wisdom on life loss and love. And where can people get your book first of all, and find out more about you.
1: Yeah. So they can, uh, go to my website crazyperfectlife.com and they can click on the link and get my book. Of course, they can get it on Amazon, super easy. I have five free gifts that I'm giving anyone who purchases the book now. So, if you go to my website, you can get the five free gifts and two of them are different kinds of sharing journals. So, you can download the sharing journal, print it out and use it in your life or even use it via email. But They're there for you. There's also something on the different kinds of letters, a stationary template, and a happiness contract to help you really create and be as happy as you can possibly be. So um, crazyperfectlife.com or on Amazon, of course, are the easiest places. Wow, that's a lot of wonderful gifts too. So a great book and tons of gifts. Thank you, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's given you the time to bring it yeah. all up. It really has. I, I found myself with a little bit of extra time when it first started. And I thought, you know what? I need a creative project that I can focus on because I didn't want to just be glued to the news. And so I created these gifts that I probably wouldn't have ever created if we hadn't been in the situation we were in. So it's my yeah. pleasure to give it to people.
0: So fortunate for all your uh, followers, for sure. Well, it has been a pleasure having you. I'm so glad that we had this time to bring this episode to life for all our listeners. Thank you so much for joining
1: me. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure, and I'm very grateful to you and your beautiful work. Thank you. Thank you. And to all our listeners, remember, every moment
0: is a new moment for conscious connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids,